Hi, everyone. Al Sanders, host for this Monday, April 13th edition of Vox Pop, Voice of the People. Today, it's our privilege to be on location with Dr. John MacArthur here in Newhall, California, where 500 students are assembled for their weekly chapel service at the Master's College. During the next 60 minutes, they'll have the opportunity to ask questions of their president right here on Vox Pop. a Monday, we welcome you to Vox Pop and to the Master's College. Ladies and gentlemen, President of the Master's College, Dr. John MacArthur. Will you welcome him, please? We should explain that we did not pay any of these young people to salute their president. But they (laughs) do get a better grade at the end of the semester, knowing what they've done. It might be interesting to find out where these folk have come from. So when I count three, will you please just shout out the name of your hometown, in case some folk are listening that happen to be from your hometown. We wish we could interview each one of you, but unfortunately that's not possible. So at the count of three... Shout out, preferably toward Dr. MacArthur's microphone, where you're from, okay? One, two, three. Could you sort that out for us? Uh, That was very clear. I think Long Beach was just a little bit at the end. Well, Dr. MacArthur is not only president of the Master's College and the Master's Seminary, he's also pastor of uh, Grace Community Church in Panorama City, California. He's the speaker on the broadcast, which is known as Grace to You. And uh, his announcer for the program is Carl Miller. Could you show us how you'd welcome Carl Miller, the announcer of Grace to You? Stay tuned for today's edition of Grace to You. Should be some applause there somewhere. (laughs) We want to give you students the opportunity of asking Dr. MacArthur any question you might like about his personal life or about Bible questions or things of that sort when we come back after our first commercial break. But uh, before we do that, I'd like to know something about Dr. MacArthur. For instance, what was it like growing up in the home of a preacher, being a preacher's kid? You came from five successive generations of preachers. What was it like? Well, I don't have anything to compare it with. Um, It was just, for me, the only home I ever knew. Uh, I think it was pretty exciting, to be honest. My folks uh, loved each other and loved the kids, and we loved them. We had a tremendous life. My dad enjoyed the ministry. I think the thing that was most wonderful about our family was that uh, what they preached on Sunday, they lived through the rest of the week, and so we never saw any real difference, and it was a happy and a wholesome environment. Somewhere I read, John, that you lived in 17 different uh, homes in 17 years. Yeah, on my 17th birthday, I was living in the 17th house. Didn't pay the rent? (laughs) I'm not privy to those matters, (laughs) and I don't think that was it. It was just the fact that my dad was an evangelist, he was in itinerant ministry, and my mom was really into refurbishing old houses. Um, (laughs) As soon as we got a house the way it ought to be, she wanted to get out of it. So that was part of the cycle that we went through. We have about 500 young people here from all over the United States, Canada, and foreign lands, I'm sure. Would you encourage young men today to go into the ministry? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, obviously, going into the ministry, I'm a fifth-generation pastor, but that's not genetic. You understand that? You don't inherit that. Uh, 
it's a call of God. But, oh, what an exciting way to spend your life. Just the most thrilling thing of all. And we're excited about many of the young people here who are headed that direction. Well, here at the beautiful campus of the Master's College in Newhall, California, what is a Christian college? What do you mean by that? Well, I think a Christian college, first of all, is a place that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. And by that I mean in every dimension of life. The exaltation of Christ in the curriculum, in the classroom, in the academic area. The exaltation of Christ in personal life, discipleship, spiritual growth, relationships, the exaltation of Christ in music, the exaltation of Christ on the athletic field through every skill imaginable to, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by doing what you do the best of your ability, to the best of your ability with his glory in mind. And the name the Master's College, where does that come from? Well, uh, we were really, really for a long time struggling with the name for the college. There um, was a name that this college held for many years. It was called Los Angeles Baptist College. But it wasn't in Los Angeles, and uh, we had a whole lot of people here who weren't Baptists, although we have many and still do who are. We decided we wanted a name that was bigger and broader than that, and we couldn't think of anything better than naming the school for the master who is our master teacher, the one we love, the one we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll find out more when we come back with today's edition of Vox Pop, featuring Dr. John MacArthur from the Master's College. During the commercial break, we like to get to know our guests just a little bit better. I'm sure that you've heard Dr. MacArthur's personal testimony, but for those of us who haven't, could you tell us how you came to Christ? You were almost, well, I was going to say predestined to it, but maybe you were elected instead. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. Al. I'll work with your theology later on on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, of course, from the time of a child, I was taught the Word of God by my parents, and um, I was instructed in church through all the years of my life. I remember two points in my life when I really felt strong commitment to Christ. One was as a boy of about eight or nine years old. I can't remember exactly. My father had preached an evangelistic sermon in a church back in Indiana, and I was with him for those week of meetings, that week of meetings. At the conclusion of that sermon, I went and sat with him on the steps outside the church. He was the last one to leave, going back to the pastor's home where we were staying, and we sat on the steps, and I told him I wanted to be sure that Jesus Christ was, was in my life. And I remember vividly sitting on the steps in the dark that night and asking my dad to help me to be sure that Christ was in my life. Uh, later on, after my freshman year of college, I had a severe automobile accident. I was thrown out of a car going 75 miles an hour, slid 110 yards on my tail end down the highway, and ended up in bed for three months. I really feel that was the massive turning point in my life. That took the direction of my life and moved it 180 degrees the other way toward full-time commitment to serve in any capacity the Lord Jesus Christ wanted me to serve. If you pin me down as to the moment of my conversion, I would probably say that I really fully understood what it was to give my life to Christ as an eight- or nine-year-old boy. But in terms of submitting to his plan for my life, to be whatever he wanted me to be, that really came at that time of that accident, when I was 17 or 18. Now, you have four children. Matt is the only one away from home. He's married, so he has his own career to follow. You want your children to be in Christian ministry? Are you going to encourage them in that direction? Well, I want my children to do what God wants them to do. I don't want them to do anything other than what the Lord wants them to do, and I would be content for them to do 
anything if that was God's choice yeah. for their life. But I'll tell you this, Al, the greatest joy Hold of my that life. Hold for just a second, would you? We okay. have to come back. All right. Back to the network now. <laughs> Across America, from the Master's College in Newhall, California, we're talking with its president, Dr. John MacArthur. His voice is familiar with the radio ministry known as Grace to You. And John, you were just sharing with us during the commercial break something about how you came to Jesus Christ as Savior. And then we ask you a question, whether or not of your four children, you would want to follow them to become, or you would want them to follow you to become the sixth successive generation of people in the Lord's work. Well, Alan, in answer to that, I just want them to do God's will. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on them, I think, just because they're my kids. And uh, people will often say to the boys, uh, boy, uh, you've been in that home and you've had all that theology and all that training. You're certainly going to go into the ministry, aren't you? And I think even from the time they were little, people expected them to speak, uh, you know, apples of gold and pictures of silver, you know, just because they were exposed or overexposed to their father. I've tried to do the very opposite with them, and that is to say, whatever you are, I'm going to love you for who you are, and I'm going to be thrilled to the depths of my being if you are where God wants you to be, wherever that might be. Uh, for me, the greatest joy in life, the single greatest joy in life, is that my four children love the Lord Jesus Christ. That, to me, is God's grace, unquestionably. And it's, it's just a single great joy for me. And so whatever it is that God wants them to do, I am more than thrilled for them to do that. And I believe that in some way, shape, or form, they'll spend their life ministering for the cause of Christ. What we'd like to do today, John, is to invite our students and also understand that the Women's Auxiliary from the Master's College is here in the auditorium this morning, so, or this afternoon, so perhaps some of them would like to ask some questions as well. Mm -hmm. Any of you who have a question you'd like to pose of President MacArthur, just raise your hand. Carl Miller and I will come to you, and we'd like to ask you what the question is, where you're from, something about what you're studying here at the Master's College, maybe, and then what your question is. So any of you have a question you'd like to ask, and while we're looking for someone who's brave enough to raise his or her hand, John, what's the toughest question you ever got? <laughs> that question. may be it right there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not would sure. Would that also be the dumbest question you've ever got? <laughs> the toughest question, I, any question I can't answer is a tough question. I have had some very strange questions through the years, but um, I don't know that I could identify any one that sticks out above the rest. Do you like questions about theology, about Christian life, about uh, doctrinal questions, or what are your favorite questions? I know when you have one of those radio conferences, that's always an important part of it. Yeah, I think all of the above. Uh, I just came back from Philadelphia where I spent two days with a group of pastors and answered questions hour after hour after hour. and. I can honestly say that I never really get weary of doing that because you feel like you're making a direct hit uh, because they're articulating a need, they're articulating something that's in their heart, and when you can respond to that, that's, a, that's an exciting thing. So any questions? I, I'm open to anything you want to ask me. Okay, anybody have one that you'd like to ask? Raise your hand. Don't be bashful. Be brave. Let us see what it is. We'll come right over there. While I'm doing that, coming to the people, John, did you find in Philadelphia last week that the pastors are wondering about what's happening in the electronic media today? Yeah, there's a little question about that. They're definitely wondering. Um, the high profile of media evangelists and preachers and teachers and so forth um, potentiates uh, problems. Uh, there is always the possibility that the wider your influence and the higher you rise in the media, the more potential for corruption is there. And when some of that stuff starts to break, 
then I guess in a general sense everybody becomes suspicious and somewhat anxious and just wonders how far it's going to go. Sure, a lot of questions like that. But John, you're the pastor of a church. You have a nationwide, worldwide radio broadcast. You have uh, books that you've authored, uh, the MacArthur uh, uh, commentaries. Uh, you're now president of the Master's College, the Master's Seminary. Where's your accountability? Who are you accountable to? Well, I, I think, first of all, I'm accountable to the Lord um, in a personal way. And I still, Al, to this very day, spend three days a week in my study in the Word of God. And I would say that's the highest level of accountability. I never want to be in a position in my life where I give up those intense and prolonged periods of time in God's Word because face-to-face -face with the Lord coming to me through His Word and the time of prayer that I'm able to spend as I study His Word comes the highest level of accountability. In the case of the church, we have a godly board of 50 elders. And those men surround me with their prayers and their commitment. They're capable men. They have leadership ability, and they definitely hold me accountable. The college has an exceptional board of godly men that have kept me to a high level of accountability. And then there are the men that are part of the team of leadership here at the college and the seminary and at the church as well. Um, the folks at Grace to You, godly folks that uh, also are very concerned about my life and my ministry. And then there's my wife, Patricia, who uh, maintains a high level of accountability every day at home. And another thought, Al, too, that people don't think about is your children, if you really concern yourself with your children and if you're concerned about the faith of your children and that they love Christ, that becomes a point of accountability. Uh, I could never see myself violating principles that would result in the distrust of my children. And so that acts as an accountability as well. Carl Miller, you have a guest here from the Master's College. A senior from Merced, California. Randy has a question. John, I know there's, there's just so many demands in your life, and you're speaking every Sunday at Grace, and you're you know, all around the country speaking. And I know there have got to be times when you struggle emotionally. And how do you, what process do you go through when you're having a hard time emotionally and it's time to preach? Uh, well, that's a very insightful question, Randy. Uh, what processes do I go through when it's hard emotionally to preach? You know, it's a question really of prayer. It sounds like a simple answer. Uh, and I'll be real honest with you. There are many Sundays when I would rather scoop up Patricia and split, just leave town and, and rest, than go and preach and face, you know, a long day of, of preaching. But... Um, there's such a high level of accountability, I, I just can't not show up, you know. So in the first place, I'm stuck. I got to go. Uh, that's a given. But but when I get there and I just feel emotionally drained or worn out or weary or just like I can hardly get through this, I gather with a group of elders and I just commit my life silently to the Lord and say, Lord, you know where I am. You know what I need. And I'm calling on you for the strength to just help me get through this. And very often, to be honest with you, it's when I come into a Sunday like that that I know the blessing of God in a greater way than when I come thinking I'm loaded on my own and the Lord, whether he's there or not, you know, isn't as much an issue. So sometimes, as Paul said, in our weakness, we're made strong. And I've learned through the years that when I feel least capable of doing something, sometimes God is most capable of, of working. We have a caller on the line that would like to talk with Dr. MacArthur. How do you greet Dr. MacArthur, sir? We'd be interested in knowing. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> I think he said, hi, Johnny. Oh, which, hi, uh, Johnny. Which would be whom? Do you have any idea who the caller might father? be? Is that my father? Is that my father? That would be Dr. Jack MacArthur. Let's give him a word of welcome. 
Dr. MacArthur Sr. is currently pastoring the Trinity Baptist Church in Solvang, California, formerly at the First Baptist Church in Eugene, Oregon, and I think we'd be interested, Dr. Jack. Uh, what was John like as a youngster? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, from the time that he was uh, four years old, he was uh, bent on uh, converting his sister Jeanette. And so he used to preach to her in the backyard all the time. And uh, he just couldn't get any place with her because uh, he would come in all frustrated and say, Dad, Jeanette doesn't even care. She's going to go to hell. And then she'd follow him in the house saying, and I don't care either. I don't care. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to cut away, Dr. MacArthur, for just a few moments to let our local stations make their identification. This is Vox Pop means the voice of the people. Our guest today, Dr. John MacArthur, president of the Master's College. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Dr. Jack MacArthur, uh, I understand that uh, John has told some people that he was the perfect child. Is that indeed the case? I'm not uh, so sure he was perfect because I remember the day he poured a quart of sand in my new car gas tank. <laughs> I, I also remember one morning when uh, the students about, uh, the students were reacting to that last comment, Dr. <laughs> MacArthur, so they didn't hear what the words were that followed. He poured a quart of sand. Yes, uh, in the in the gas tank of my brand new car. Why did he do that? Uh, you ask him. I have no idea. <laughs> and that was just last week, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that was last week. Uh, then another interesting thing that is, well, there's a myriad of things, but what I remember that to me, well, I, I'll never forget, is that we used to have the um, milkman deliver eggs. And so when he got up one morning before we knew uh, that he was up and he got outside, and so he took the dozen eggs and he lined them all up on the step in a row. And then he took a hammer and just went down the row. One, two, three. <laughs> it was quite a mess. Well, it's great for the stress, though. He, he does that uh, every once in a while, I'm sure. <laughs> how did, how did uh, you and your wife come to the conclusion that Johnny indeed was made for the ministry? Well, uh, the real background of that is that his mother told me before he was born that she knew down deep in her heart that that is exactly what he was going to do. And I told her that she didn't know that, that nobody knew that, that that was presumption on her part. And uh, I will never forget because I felt pretty put out about the fact that she was so sure about it. But um, that's where it all began. His mother had that conviction. But uh, never once did I ever encourage him toward the ministry, ever. I was so anxious for him to be in the ministry that it was difficult not to encourage him, but I never did because I felt that it had to be something that God would do in his life. Well, hold for just a second, if you will, Dr. MacArthur. We'll be right back. We need to let our stations across the nations rejoin us for Vox Pop. Today, from the Master's College in Newhall, California, we're broadcasting Vox Pop. Those of you who may not have heard the program before, V-O-X-P-O-P. -P. It simply means the voice of the people. 
With us is our special guest, Dr. John MacArthur, who is president of the Master's College and the Master's Seminary, also pastor of Grace Community Church in Panorama City, California, and the person whom you hear on Grace to You Radio all across the United States and around the world. With us also are 500 students of the Master's College at this beautiful campus in Newhall, California. And on the telephone line, Dr. Jack MacArthur, who's pastor of a church in Solvang. It seems to me that there's a golf course near Solvang somewhere, isn't there, Dr. Jack? Uh, quite a few, really. Does John play golf with you? Yes, I'm, I'm Who's, the, who's the better player, sir? I'd like. Who's the better player? Oh, I'd have to say that he is. Really? Well, uh, you know, when you're talking to as many people as we are, I want to be sure that I say something that is pretty close to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it pretty or close? No, it's close. <laughs> I have my days, but uh, most of the time uh, I have to admit that uh, he wins. Just I found out that it makes him much happier to win. So Aha! We're finding that out here, too. Uh, just before we go back to letting our students here at the Master's College ask their presidents some questions, Dr. Jack MacArthur, how should we pray more intelligently for your son, Dr. John, and others who are in the ministry? How can we as lay people pray intelligently for our leaders? I think that what you should pray about respect to your leaders is the constant assault of the adversary, and usually this takes the form of uh, vicious criticism, and many times it becomes very wearing on the person who has to bear the brunt of it. And uh, I know that Johnny never says much about it, but uh, this is one of the great concerns of his mother and myself in our prayer life, because it seems like it never lets up one issue after another and in every instance it's, it's based either on a complete misunderstanding of the facts or else it's a deliberate lie to attempt to somehow diminish in a way his testimony and his image as a Christian leader how do you men father son how do you handle criticism I suspect you get a bit well, if you're asking me, and I appreciate what my dad said <clears throat> about that particular prayer request, I think you have to handle criticism in the context of, first of all, self-examination. The first thing you do when you hear criticism is you evaluate whether or not it's true. And in that sense, it's good because it helps you go back and take a look at yourself and say, is it so? Is that really true about me? And that's, that kind of inventory is good. Secondly, if you have determined that it is not true, that someone has fabricated it for whatever purposes they, they desire or someone has gotten a wrong impression, then I think you commit yourself to a great truth, and it was illustrated in the life of our, of our Lord, who being reviled, reviled not again, Peter says, and being dishonored did not retaliate, but committed himself to the one who judges righteously, 1 Peter 2.23. And all I can do in that kind of a situation is, first of all, examine myself and say, if, if this is not true, then I stand where Christ stood, right? Because he was falsely accused, he was misrepresented, he was lied against, and ultimately they took his life. And uh, he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. And so that's really the thing that we have to do. You just sort of give yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, you're in charge, you're sovereign, you understand 
And um, I just leave this with you. Thank you, John. And Dr. Jack MacArthur, before we take another question from one of the students here at the Master's College, just an aside between the two of us and maybe a few other hundred people, have you ever found your son using any of your notes, your sermon notes? Well, I can't really answer the question. But uh, when I hear him preach, I certainly hear an awful lot of my stories and illustrations and materials. Uh, I guess he couldn't sit under my preaching for all the years that he has and not have some kind of an osmosis, some some sort of a penetration of his uh, spirit. And I'm positive that perhaps in the providence of God being under my ministry so many years, some of the things that came from the Word of God penetrated. I like to think that. You know, on that subject of persecution, I was just thinking about Matthew 5.11, where even with the criticism that Christian leaders so often receive that's unjust, there is the promised blessing of our Lord. Uh, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Uh, rejoice in that day and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So there is, even in that kind of suffering, the promise of wonderful blessing. And I suspect, in addition to hearing your son articulate some of the things that he might have learned from your ministry, you both somehow may hear the words of Dr. Harry MacArthur, your father, and two other generations of MacArthur's who have preached God's word so faithfully. Will you students here at the Master's College express your thanks with me to Dr. Jack MacArthur, Sr., Trinity Baptist Church, Salvang, California. Dr. Jack, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. God bless you, sir. Carl Miller. Al, we have a phys ed major who's in his junior year from the Tacoma, Washington area. Paul would like to ask a question. Myself, like you, grew up in a home of a, a Baptist minister, and I always felt like there were pressures put on myself as a kid from the people um, that were affected by his ministry to be sort of an example or um, something different than the other kids. And they felt like I was to be the, I was a little angel and I didn't do anything. I wasn't supposed to do anything that a normal kid wasn't supposed to do. Is there any um, thing that could be done different um, on the parents' end or uh, sure. to relieve that pressure? I understand what you're saying, Paula. Let me just say whatever your parents did and whatever pressure was applied to you, it worked. You are an example. And I thank God for your testimony, believe me. So, I, you, you know, let me just say, say it as simply as I can. It is the highest privilege in the world, I think, to be a child of a man who served God. That is a great privilege that most people would love to have. So many kids, you know, have grown up in a home where they don't have that kind of privilege. That's a great privilege. There is added pressure. My experience was that that pressure was healthy for me. That pressure was good for me because it, it made me want to conform. I didn't want to be a discredit to my father's ministry. I didn't want to do that. You know, I'll never forget one time when I was a little kid, a guy um, sort of enticed me to steal something out of Sears. We were walking through a Sears store, and he said, I dare you to steal that. Well, I was competitive, right? And uh, he said, you're a chicken, you won't steal it. And he used to egg me on. I was just a guy about 10 years old, a little guy. And so I snitched it, put it in my pocket. I didn't want it. I just didn't want him to think I was a coward, you know. I got to the door, and the store detective had seen me. 
grabbed me by the nap of the neck, took me up in the office, and the next thing I knew, I was in the jail. They sent a police car over to get me. He wanted to teach me a lesson, I guess. I thought I was in for life. You know, I didn't know what the deal was. <clears throat> I wound up in the jail. I'm behind bars. My dad was on a golf course with two of his deacons. So the police officer called, left a message at the golf course that when my dad was done, come by the jail, pick up his son. This literally happened. I'm sitting behind a cell. My father walks in the door. He didn't believe it was true. He thought it was somebody other than his son. Somebody made a mistake. So the deacon was with him. And uh, he came in the door and looked across this little lobby. And there I was <laughs> behind bars, literally behind bars. This is going to have to be a cliffhanger because we continue unfortunately next week. <laughs> at this time have to cut away. No, we'll continue it when we come back. We're at the Master's College, a beautiful campus in Newhall, California, with 500 students who are attending the Master's College. And our guest is their president, Dr. John MacArthur. Two and a half minutes out, we'll be right back with Box Pop, Voice of the People. Stay with us. I think you can keep two stories in mind. I want to ask you to change gears just a little bit. I'd be interested in knowing how you met Patricia. How I met Patricia? Is there an echo in here? <laughs> it must be. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Patricia uh, was the daughter of uh, the chairman of the deacon board in my father's church. I was the pastor's son. She was the head deacon's daughter. It was a political arrangement. <laughs> no. Uh, she, uh, she was engaged to another guy who went away to school. Bad move. Yeah. Um, except if it's the master's college. Yes, yeah, so except yeah. if it's the master's college, right. But anyway, he went away to school, and she was a good friend of my sister's, and so she would come over to the house a lot, and I would say things to her like, if you get rid of that guy, uh, I might take you for a ride in my Volkswagen. You know, things like that. Uh, very romantic things, you know. So uh, we just started a friendship, and uh, she made these unbelievable sandwiches. And that was the first uh, thing that I uh, kind of enjoyed. And then I got to know her, and boy, she was just the kind of gal I wanted, and she had all the right values, and I just needed to figure some way to get rid of this guy she was engaged to. And um, Would he eat the mushrooms? <laughs> right. But the Lord worked it out, and um, she came to the point where she was going to marry him. And she had the invitations addressed for the wedding in the trunk of the car, but couldn't mail them. She didn't have the freedom in her heart to mail those invitations. And she was driving around in her car for, how, I don't know how long, hon. She's here today. Is she really? Oh, yeah, she's here. She wants to be sure of what I say. This is going all no over the No wonder we couldn't get her on the telephone. <laughs> but anyway, so she couldn't mail them. But obviously, the Lord restrained her from doing that. And those invitations ultimately ended up in a trash barrel somewhere, and... Uh, we got ours. Did you get yours? <laughs> and so the Lord in his wonderful providence uh, ended that relationship. We're broadcasting from the Master's College, and our special guest is its president, Dr. John MacArthur. I saw a couple of hands go up from students who wanted to ask questions of Dr. MacArthur. But before we get to that, I'm going to ask Russell Moore if he'll get ready with the guitar and maybe we can have a little singing before we have to cut away. And, John, you need to finish that story, and then we'll meet your wife, if we may. Carl Miller will spot her, and uh, we'll see just how many years you have been married. Seems to be an elusive thought. <laughs> okay. If I, uh, it were 25, it'd be easier. Take us back, though, to finish up that Yeah, I want to get out of jail before this program is over. So. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was behind those bars. My dad came in and 
he was so shocked and he was so heartsick. And I was crushed and I went home and when he told my mom, she wept and she said to me, don't you know who you are? How could you do that to your father? How could you dishonor your father in that way? And I loved my father so much and my mother that I just never wanted to do that. So in answer to what Paul asked, the pressure on me to be maybe a cut above the other kind of kids was a very good and a very healthy pressure. And I'm thankful to the Lord for it. But let me just take it a step further and say, I think the way parents have to compensate for that, I know as a parent myself with our kids, they've had that added pressure, maybe even more pressure than I had because of the high profile of this particular ministry I have. And the way we've tried to treat that is to get so involved in the lives of our kids. I've always told my boys, I'll go to your games if you come to my sermons, you know, that kind of thing. I'll get involved in your... That's blackmail. Yeah, it's blackmail of sorts. I'll get involved in... (laughs) I'll get involved in your life, you get involved in my life, and we have worked very hard to try to make being a MacArthur so much fun that you'd never want to trade it for anything in the world. And I think you have to work hard at that. Let's meet another MacArthur, Carl Miller, who is the announcer on Grace to You, the nationwide and worldwide ministry of uh, the MacArthur ministry, if we may say, is here. And Carl, will you do the introduction for us? I think she's also from Panorama City, or at least the area. I certainly hope so. Patricia MacArthur? Would you stand, Patricia, and would you folks welcome Mrs. MacArthur? Could you tell us, first of all, how many years you've been married? <laughs> It'll be 24 in August. And what's See, I was right. It is 23, right? <laughs> now, you be quiet for just a moment. Whatever happened to those invitations that were in the back of your car? <laughs> well, my folks asked me to sit down and pull the stamps off. <laughs> so I did that. And uh, <laughs> I think I kept one or two of them just for posterity. I don't know. It's put away in a trunk someplace just to remind me of what I got out of and what I got into, <laughs> which is a good thing. All of your children, all four of them, their names begin with M. How did you happen to pick the letter M? Well, you know, my husband's a minister, and I think it just uh, runs in that category in his mind, you know, huh. homiletics or whatever they call it. Actually, Matthew is um, scriptural. Is John Matthew, huh. but we call him Matt. He was named after his father, but the rest of them all. Just think, him. just think for a second, if you had, I mean, this is hypothetical, if you had another son or daughter, if you had another child, did you folks pick out another name with another M? Yes, we did. If Melinda had been a boy, we were going to name him Michael Windsor. And uh, since we had Melinda, we took that name up. We didn't really have a fifth name picked out, but we would find one if we had one. <laughs> you got a lot of uh, young ladies here, beautifully attractive young ladies attending the Master's College. As a pastor's wife, some of these women are going to be pastor's wives. What succinct information would you share with him, Patricia? About being a minister's wife? Yeah. Other than avoiding well. it. <laughs> you know, I have never felt that way. I, when I was first married and Johnny was in school, and um, we had some struggles financially. You know, I was expecting, in fact, Matthew was born, and we planned it this way, but he was one week old on our year anniversary. And so it was hard for us meeting the house payment and buying books for a seminary and this and that, but um, the Lord was good and graciously met all our needs, um, perhaps not some of our wants, 
but all of our needs he was very faithful to meet and um sometimes my mom would say now you knew what you were getting into you know so <laughs> but i said i didn't know what i was getting into and i don't think any of us do until we've been there but i wouldn't trade it for anything i think the privilege and the joy that we'd know and experience far outweighs anything that might be considered negative have you ever thought of giving it up throwing in the sponge no never <laughs> it's been hard at times and i think perhaps one of the hardest areas um to face and handle is the criticism i was going to ask yes. you that as the next question i can understand how dr macarthur faces it scripturally as he and his father discussed but how does his dearest companion on earth face it well i know the truth about my husband and um i just try to say if they only knew him like i knew him they would feel differently and very often this is the case um there are things perhaps that are merited i don't know but a lot of the major issues doctrinal and all and especially this issue on the blood which has been so near and dear to my heart my husband's heart in the center of his ministry has been painful but uh the truth of the matter is if they knew my husband and it seems once they have an encounter with him and they see his motives and his desire to know God and to preach the truth and very often they change their opinion just before we sing a song russell moore is going to direct us hopefully russell wherever you are one last uh, question we ask john macarthur's father now we ask his wife patricia how should we pray for your husband as he has this responsibility here at the masters college and masters seminary radio program the church with 7000 people attending every sunday morning well i think the most important thing is that god would give him his wisdom and and his strength and uh, his ability to uh, face you know his responsibilities because um there are a lot of demands and johnny's an amazing person he really is he seems to thrive on the pressure and the demands on his life and i think the lord knew that and that's why he has given him these opportunities and privileges to lead in the areas that he is young people would you express your appreciation to mrs patricia mccarthy for being with us today on Bible. Russell Moore is the assistant to the president directing student life. He has a guitar right here in front of our young people and we'd like to hear what these young folks sound like as they sing. Let's sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the
Beautiful. Thank you, young people. We appreciate that. Now, John MacArthur, let's go to work, if we may. And as uh, the last few moments of the program permit, let's talk to some of these students who may have questions for their president, Dr. John MacArthur. Did you raise your hand? Would you mind standing up and coming a little closer? Your name is? Tammy. Last name? Maureen Tammy. And where are you from, Tammy? I'm from San Lorenzo, up in the Bay Area. And how did you happen to come to the Master's College? Oh, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> we have an hour and a half. Okay, well, it all started about a year and a half ago. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, I was going to go to Simpson College up in San Francisco because I wanted to go to a Christian college, and um, I had an application in. I was all ready to go, and um, something in my heart just wasn't right about that. I decided I'd keep searching, and so um, I talked to some friends who lived up in the Bay Area, too, who went to my church, and they said, Tammy, there's this new college down the Master's College, and I mean, down in New Hall called the Master's College, and um, John MacArthur's taken over, and we're just, you know, big fans up there, and so... Uh, we just uh, he told me more information about it and stuff so i i called up here and, and they sent down all these things and they were just answering all my questions and this college just had everything that i wanted as far as um training up students for the master and and i wanted to be one of those students and so i went into the lagos institute and and it really changed my life are you glad you came oh yeah i really am is there anything you've forgotten that they told you to say um <laughs> you don't have any invitations in the trunk of your car do you Seriously, just before we have to cut away, we have about two minutes before our break. Do you have a question for Dr. MacArthur? Yeah, I do. Um, I, sometimes when I'm reading the Word, I, I come across things that I just don't understand or that seem contradictory to me, and, and I don't know what to do, and sometimes it shakes my confidence that the Word is in there, and it, it, changes, it shakes my confidence that um, just God, you know, He's not showing me, so what's going on? And so I was wondering, I mean, I'm sure you, you come across things like that sometimes where you get frustrated and you don't understand. And sure. What do you do when that happens? Well, Tammy, I appreciate that question, and I know your heart, too, and I know your commitment to Christ. Uh, there are things in the Scripture that, at first glance and on the surface, are difficult. In fact, even, even in the New Testament, there is the admission that Jesus said hard things to be understood, and that the other apostles recognized some things that other apostles said that were difficult to understand. That is not because they're not true. That is because we don't have full information. And so what we affirm, and this is an act of confident faith, we affirm that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Why? Because the Bible says God is a God who cannot, what? Lie. And because the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And because the Bible says no prophecy came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible's testimony to its authenticity, the Bible's testimony to its accuracy, the Bible's testimony to its inspiration is where we start. And then if we don't understand something, we know it's because we haven't studied deeply enough to get to the meaning. Thank you, Tammy, for the question. We'll have some other questions when we return. Dr. John MacArthur, he's president of the Master's College, and we're broadcasting from New Hall, California with Box Pop, Voice of the People. We'll be right back. Uh, before we take some other questions from those of you who are here as students at the Master's College, make sure we see your hands. We'll try to take as many questions as we can during that uh, commercial break just after it. Uh, John, I'd be interested in knowing the people who have influenced your life in addition to your dad across the years. I think uh, one of the persons who influenced me most profoundly was Dr. Charles Feinberg. 
Um, you know him, Al, as the former dean of Talbot Theological Seminary. Uh, Dr. Feinberg, of course, a great, great biblical scholar, a man who spent 14 years studying to be a rabbi. He was Jewish. Um, and that was the direction he was going. Then he was converted to Christ, and uh, he went then, of course, to study for the Christian ministry. He went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and Dr. Lewis Berry Chafer, who was the president in those days, said he was the only man who ever came to Dallas Seminary and knew more than he did when he left. He was a brilliant man, and then he went to Johns Hopkins and got a Ph.D. in archaeology under William Foxwell Albright, who was the world's leading archaeologist. And he was a brilliant man. He was a lover of God's Word. And when I went to Talbot Seminary some years back in 19... Actually, it was in 1961. I wanted to study under Dr. Feinberg. And he became my mentor. He really poured his life into me personally. In fact, when I graduated from seminary, he called me into his office and he had a box on his desk. And in that box, he had his own personal set of Kyle and Dalich, the classic Old Testament Hebrew commentary. And in the margins of all those 20-some volumes were all of his personal notes that he'd written through the years. And he gave that to me as a gift and said, this is my gift to you, and I just want to know that you'll use it. And a tremendous legacy uh, was deposited in my life by, by Dr. Feinberg. Another man who influenced me, I don't know if you know him, his name is Ralph Kuyper. Sure. But Ralph influenced me because he showed me that you could use humor in communication and that was okay. Because when I was growing up, it was just forbidden. Uh, you know, uh, my dad's loosened up a little in his later years, but he used to tell me, don't be funny in the pulpit, this is serious business, you know. I mean, don't try to be funny. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't ever want to try to be funny, but uh, but uh, uh, Dr. Kuyper showed gonna, me that. Hold that for just a second. Uh, okay. We're going to let all of our other stations join us for the rest of the program. Just about 14 minutes left on today's edition of Vox Pop, the voice of the people. We're coming to you from the Master's College in Newhall, California, a beautiful campus of how many acres, Dr. John MacArthur? Well, we have about 110 acres now since we bought the other half of the mountain over there. And what are your plans for development? Well, we have wonderful plans for development. We have a, a development organization that's now surveying our plans, and we're going to be adding... Actually, within the next year, we're going to be adding a new chapel, a new uh, academic facility, a new maintenance building, a new dorm, and refurbishing some things. And then we have plans to go over the hill and, and extend our campus, put a new athletic center over there. We've got a lot of wonderful plans. Geographically, you have plans to go over the hill. We're not going over the hill physically. No, I no. understand. No. In case young people are interested, they can write to the Master's College, New Hall, California, 91322. I suspect if you get that zip code correctly, the Master's College, it'll bring it right here to Newhall, California. That's right. If you're interested in getting more information about uh, the Ministry of Grace to You by way of radio, you can write to Dr. John MacArthur at Box 4000, Panorama City, California. And that zip is 91412. So it's the Master's College, Newhall, California, 91322, or Dr. John MacArthur, Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. And our thanks for being so patient, John, and being in the spotlight and letting us monkey around with what normally is a little different type of a chapel service. What do you normally do at chapel services? Here? Well, we have a great time in chapel. Uh, Monday's always my day in chapel. I shouldn't say always. Once in a while I'm away. But uh, we sing some songs. As you can see behind us, we have a multimedia three-screen rear-screen projection system, and we show all kinds of fun things up there. And then we put songs up, and we sing, and 
spend a little time uh, expositing the Word of God, and we have a great time. These young people are not inhibited, as I noticed at the opening of the program. What excites them? Some kind of a score or some news? Do you have anything like that that would really get them excited this, this, today so we get everything? Well, yeah, we have a lot of exciting things. I mean, I think it's pretty exciting, speaking about scores, to know that our baseball team is in first place in the NAIA district that we're in all through Southern California. That's pretty exciting for us since it's only our second year in it. We'll get, a, we'll get a new needle for our uh, machines. I think we just broke the needle on the recording machine. <laughs> we have an exciting time in chapel, Al. We, chapel is an upbeat time for us. We don't want it to be like a church service, and we don't want it to be kind of a somber time. We want it to be a time to enjoy each other and to express our love to Christ and to have fun. And so chapel is an upbeat time. Let's go to work. As many questions as we can take. Carl Miller, announcer for Grace to You. Who do you have? Uh, when, Wendy is... Wendy is from Santa Monica, and I think she's a senior. Wendy, tell us what you're studying. Communication. What do you hope to go into? Public relations. And speaking of public relations, I think she has a question, a problem that she or a friend has in their witnessing to a Jehovah's Witness. That's correct. I have one of the difficult problems with Scripture that Tammy was talking about earlier. Um, in relating to this Jehovah's Witness, my classmate ran against a problem with them using Colossians 1:18 through I believe it was 20, where it talks about Christ being the firstborn of all creation rather than being God or deity himself. And I was just wondering if you knew of any other scriptures that address this also. Well, there are a myriad of scriptures that confirm the deity of Christ. What it might be helpful for you to note is that when it talks about Christ being the firstborn in Colossians 1.18, it uses a word, I think the Greek word is prototokos. It isn't so much the idea of... Uh, reducing him to a man. The inherent idea of the word prototokos is to say this, that among all those who have ever been born, he is the chief one. In other words, the idea of that, that statement is not to treat the deity of Christ, but rather to treat his humanity and the supremacy of his humanity. There are many other passages, a myriad of passages, that distinctly affirmed the deity of Christ. Even the Jews knew that because they accused Jesus of making himself equal with God. They, that, that was the blasphemy of which he was accused. The, the New Testament epistles are literally loaded with statements on his deity, and, and you can find a lot of resources on that. I can help you with that later, and there's some good little things that you can look up, some, some helpful little, little books and things. But the point of the statement, firstborn, means of all those who have ever been born or of all those who have ever, will ever be raised from the dead, he is the prototokos, the chiefest of all. So the point there is to say that among all of those who bear the mark of humanity, he is the chiefest and Christ was fully man. You see, it is important to establish not only that he is God, but also that he was fully man. He had to be God in order to accomplish the divine act. He had to be man in order to substitute for men. So what the Jehovah's Witness would want to do is to take you to a passage that is speaking of his humanity and make that the whole issue. What you have to realize is there are passages that do speak of his humanity and exalt his humanity, but that's only half the picture. And so what you want to do is determine in the Word of God where it exalts his deity. And you want to go to those passages. Frankly, Colossians 1 does exalt his deity if you read the whole thing starting in verse 12 all the way through. Okay? Wish you could get excited about answering these questions. That's great, John. Appreciate it. Somebody back here had a question. Would you stand and tell us your name, please, and where you're from? Uh, my name is Rob Provost, and I'm from Saugus, California. 
Where is Saugus? It's right up the road. <laughs> What's it noted for other than yourself having left there? <laughs> uh, not much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just lost our audience in Saugus. <laughs> now, do you have a good question for us? I'm just curious, uh, maybe in your free time, who do you most enjoy reading or an author? Or what do you like to read? And also, uh, maybe this is similar to that. Who do you most enjoy listening to when you yourself are not preaching? Good question. Now, we've got to tell you about Rob Provost. He transferred from Ohio State. Well, that's He's not really Saugus. from Ohio. Well, that's a long way from Saugus, and we're right. glad to have him here. Um, the question is, who do I read? Um, boy. You know, I suppose it's just the legacy of my life to read a lot of books. Uh, you know, when I was a student, I never let my books get in the way of my education. You know, I just... Uh, and so this is kind of new for me, you know. But once I got into ministry, I got into loving books and reading books. Um, I love to read theology, Rob. I love to read... Uh, I love to read... Um, I don't want to be, you know, intellectual in my terminology, but I love to read deep... Theology. I just love it. You mean uh, Doonesbury? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just, I love to read the profound things. They stretch me. So that, that sort of chases me into reading the Reformers. Um, I like to read uh, the Puritans. I love to read Thomas Watson. love to read uh, some John Owen stuff. Stephen Charnock on the existence and attributes of God. It's a tome. And you could spend your whole life and never read the whole thing, but everything you read in it just knocks you out. Um, I, I very much enjoy reading biographies because I love to read about how God has used certain people. I've just finished uh, reading the first 40 years, the biography of Martin Lloyd-Jones, and now I'm reading A Chosen by God, which is, which is a testimonial to him after his death, written by all different people commenting on every dimension of his life. The man as a family man, the man as a preacher, the man as a student, the man as a, as a leader. And uh, because I, I, I find my, my own life pales when I compare myself to these people, and that gives me some, you know, some room to grow, stretches me. So I enjoy reading that. And I read an awful lot of Bible commentaries to better understand the Scripture. Let's see. Is um, Becky Ruggles here? Becky Ruggles, are you here? If you are, would you stand up? Becky? She, oh, she has a newborn baby. She is the president of the Women's Auxiliary. Let's have all of the Women's Auxiliary members stand up, if you will, please, and let's give them our appreciation. All of you, stand up. Good. Now, we have a lady here whose name is Nell Beecham. Where are you from, Nell? I'm from Van Nuys. Have you ever been to Saugus? Yes. <laughs> what does one do in Saugus? Go to the uh, antique stores. Ah, so it is a famous place. And you're a part of the Women's Auxiliary of the Master's College. How did you become involved? Uh, through Grace Church. And I thought perhaps our listening audience might be interested in knowing how many hours of Bible are required in our curriculum here. We would be interested. John, can you answer that for us? Well, when a, when a person comes here for the freshman year, uh, thank you for asking, asking that, Nell. Bless your heart. Uh, when a person comes for the first year, we require 22 units of Bible in that first year. And that is because we believe that the grid through which all understanding must pass is a knowledge of God's Word. You know, we talk about integrated Christian education. I hear talk about that a lot in educational circles, and they want to integrate it. But the fact is that in a classroom, a professor cannot stop at every point in his lecture on history, science, 
whatever, and talk about the Bible. So he just teaches his subject. Where integration occurs is in the mind of the student. So if the first year the student is disciplined to really understand theology and the Word of God and get a good foundation, the student then internally does the integrating. So that first year, 22 units of Bible and theology, and still all of our academic programs can be completed in four years, and then every semester after the first year they take another course, uh, some course in the Word of God as well. Well, that's a great question. Thank you. And I hope you ladies enjoy yourselves here at the Master's College for the Women's Auxiliary Meeting. And I trust our listeners out across America via the Skylight Satellite Network have enjoyed getting to know Dr. John MacArthur, who is president of the Master's College and the Master's Seminary. Uh, just let me suggest before I have one last question with you, John, that if they'd like to contact the organization, it's the Master's College, New Hall, California, 91322. Or Dr. John MacArthur, Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. And our special thanks for allowing us to come in and set up all of our equipment and taking your chapel time today. It was a delight to be here. Our appreciation to your lovely wife, Patricia, for answering the questions, and to your dad, Dr. Jack MacArthur, for being with us as well. Now, when God calls you to be with himself, John, all of these things that you've done, for what would you like to be remembered? <laughs> One time uh, I was at a funny creative workshop, and a guy passed out little cups. And he said, take that cup and make it into the image that you see yourself to be. So I watched guys bend it and twist it and turn it into all kinds of kaleidoscopic things. And I just poked a hole in the bottom. The guy said, what's that? He said, I just want to be a channel through which God can speak. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Vox Pop coming to you from the Master's College in New Hall, California. Tomorrow, our special guest will be Dr. Porter Barrington. On Wednesday, Dr. Pat Robertson. And from Washington, D.C., Jack Kemp. On Thursday, we'll be live from the Mexican-American border. We invite you to join us each day, Monday through Friday, for Box Pop. <laughs>